Blog Talk Radio. Hello, my startupy friends. Welcome back to Startup Office Hours. I'm Scott Fox. I'm here today to talk to you about startups. We're going to talk about entrepreneurial adventures of the venture capital kind and hopefully be some help to you. I'm broadcasting live from Southern California where I live, but I'm reaching out to you across the Internet to see if we can uh, boost your business and accelerate the opportunities that you're creating to bring your creativity into the world and hopefully make some money doing it. Today we're going to have some questions from the audience, and that might include you. So I hope you'll want to join us. You can uh, come over if you're uh, watching online. Uh, you can actually join us at uh, the link I just put on the screen, or if you're listening to the audio version, uh, that's at bit.ly, Masterminds on Camera link. We'll be taking your questions live. This is an AMA, Ask Me Anything. I've been uh, investing in and building startups for many years. Uh, about as long as anybody that's active these days. I know I don't look that old, but I've been doing this since the mid-90s. I raised my first venture round back in 1996 uh, during the first dot-com boom after I graduated from Stanford uh, for graduate school. So I come by this expertise honestly. I've been doing it for a long time and be happy to help you and your venture uh, if you want to join us today. Uh, you can tell your friends, by the way, invite your friends. They can join us over here at youtube.com slash scottfox. That's the easiest URL to cap, that capture us at. Uh, but, of course, we're streaming on LinkedIn and Facebook and um, a couple other platforms I lose track of them, honestly. So uh, happy to have you here. The, today's mission is really to encourage innovation. Uh, I've done pretty well through uh, my years in Silicon Valley and building uh, software companies, um, content companies, a lot of different kinds of companies, and I've been involved as an investor and a consultant and advisor and even more for many years. Uh, the books you see behind me here are written by me. Uh, the middle ones are the English, the other ones are foreign translations. So these books are in many languages around the world. Again, with the mission of trying to help you accelerate your creativity and entrepreneurship uh, to make the dent in the universe that you were born to make, like Steve Jobs used to say. So if you're from somewhere else, uh, outside the United States as well, welcome. Uh, apologize for the time zone. I'm working around my lunch hour here in California. Uh, so those of you in Europe, I know it's late. Thank you. And those of you in Australia and Asia, I know it's real early. So nice to see you too. Um, again, if you want to join us today, you can come on camera at this link here. And we're going to be recording this session, by the way. And also, have a couple of disclaimers. Of course, uh, I, I do have a degree, in, uh, a law degree, and I also background as an investment banker, but I, this is not professional legal advice. Um, and you should qualify, consult your own qualified uh, representatives for anything to do anything that's serious, you should talk to a real adult with real credentials before you jump in, okay? Don't uh, mortgage your house or, or quit school and do something crazy. Um, there are rules to this game, and uh, that's what we're here to talk about to hopefully help you do that. Um, and by the way, this session is being recorded and will be online worldwide on those internets. Okay, so if you'd like to join us today, I'm happy to have you here. I'm Scott Fox, and um, I'm a serial internet entrepreneur. Uh, founder and CEO of several startups. Um, I've been the head of uh, business development, the head of uh, product and design for others, uh, companies, uh, mostly companies you wouldn't have heard of, but a few that you have, of course. I'm an active angel investor through Tech Coast Angels, which is the largest angel investment group in the United States, based here in Southern California. I'm also the chairman of the Stanford Angels and Entrepreneurs Group here in Orange County, California, where I live now. And I'm these days, I'm also the CEO of the Startup Council, which you can see this banner here behind me which uh, is based here in Orange County, California, but is dedicated to helping increase access to innovation and investment uh, to entrepreneurs all over the world, especially those folks who might not have had uh, quite a fair shake in uh, uh, getting access to the online 
uh, world of capital and innovation. So, so I'm here for you, and today we're going to have some fun. So enough of that. Um, let's get on to some questions. I see we've got three people. We've got uh, Armin and Joe and Jacqueline all here to talk to us, and probably some more on the way. Let me put that link up again in case anybody else wants to get in the queue. Um, and we're going to take their questions live and figure out what we can do. I don't have all the answers, but at least I can help you think them through a little bit better, hopefully, um, because I've been doing this a long time. And I'm a volunteer. Oh, by the way, no sales pitches today. <laughs> this is free, honestly. Uh, the one request I do have for you, uh, we don't have any sponsors for this show. It's literally me in my office with a webcam trying to help you. Uh, so if you have a second and you can like or share this or forward it to a friend or uh, click uh, like and share and all that stuff on Instagram or LinkedIn or YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel, blah, 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 all that stuff, right? So we'd love to have you support in that way. A couple clicks do make a difference because that's, that's what the software does, right? It recognizes when people are paying attention. All right, so let's get going here. So we've got um, Armand, Joe, and Jacqueline. I think, Armand, you were here first. So maybe, let's see here. Let me see what I can do here. Got a couple different buttons. We've got to turn these on. High-tech stuff here. Modern, oh, there we go. Got a couple of folks here. Um, okay, sorry. Hey, well, hi, Jacqueline. Nice to meet you. Uh, I'm gonna hi. I'm gonna go to uh, to Armin to get started if you don't mind. And clicking on the the uh, oh I forgot to talk about the chat. There we go. Andre Andre Sarukian has already figured that out. If you guys want to go into the chat, that would be great to have you. There's a live chat here. There's Scott Lee joining in as well. There's live chat available uh, for real-time questions and commentary. You can do that over on YouTube. is the easiest way I think to chat. But there's also chat on the Startup Council page on LinkedIn. I think. Um, and I'm happy to have you join in that way. And, you know, the goal for this chat, by the way, is to help each other, right? I'm, I'm here to try to moderate and try to uh, offer uh, my advice, but you can certainly help each other. Um, you can put in your LinkedIn profile. Actually, let me do that. I'll put in my LinkedIn profile, um, and uh, we can connect. Um, because, you know, honestly, uh, there we go. That's me. Um, startups do not get built solo. It's not. It's really not a solo act, right? The media loves to cover Mark Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs as these titanic founders, but honestly, teams make it a lot easier. It's much easier as a group. Armin nodded, you know, um, and uh, I encourage you all to talk to each other as much as to me. I'm just the catalyst for this, and hopefully you all can build some relationships as well, uh, and uh, we'd love to have you uh, share this stuff with everybody. Okay, Armin, I'm coming. Hang on. Sorry. He's got all this, this uh, housekeeping to do here. And the story, this dashboard is just sophisticated enough that I get lost sometimes. Hang on. There we go. And make this little scroll bar so tiny, right? It's gray on gray. That's really helpful, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Nice to see you, Armin. So, uh, I've, I've known Armin for a couple of years now. He comes to the Masterminds workshops that I host here in Orange County. Um, and uh, also on mine, these days, thanks to the pandemic, one nice thing that's come out of the pandemic is the Masterminds workshops that we run. Uh, these are kind of like this session, but with a whole bunch of us all at the same time talking together and networking, and uh, that's how I know Armin. So Armin's here to ask uh, about his company, which is called Hindsight. All right, uh, Armin, uh, the microphone is yours. <laughs> all right. Um, so I guess first off, I'll give a, a description of the company. Uh, we're basically a consumer smart glasses startup, and what we do is we, uh, we have a pair of smart glasses, and Whenever you see something that you wish you could have recorded, even after it's already happened, you can simply push a button on the glasses. It'll capture the last 20 seconds of footage, even after it's already happened. Record another 20 seconds of footage, uh, and then send it straight to your smartphone. So basically, you never miss a moment ever again. 
Um, and so that's kind of the gist of it. Uh, we're aiming for the consumer market. And my question is, uh, as most invest in investors expect a company to already be in the market before investing, uh, coming from a hardware startup perspective, which already has pre-orders and a strong IP portfolio, how can we get to market bootstrapped when we hit technical roadblocks that require large amounts of capital to overcome? You know, such as PCB development, mechanical engineering, FCC compliance, uh, et cetera. Because in hardware, there's always this chicken and egg problem of not being far enough along, but massive capital uh, investments needed to get over that. So I'd, I'd love some insight on that. Yeah, well, that's a tough one. And like they say, hardware is hard. It is hard. <laughs> so yeah. you're, you're climbing a high hill there. Um, well, I have some ideas. I don't have an answer, but, you know, you've been to our meetings. So I'll do my best. Uh, I just have a quick question because I know you – I've known about this product for a while. This, I'm probably – everybody's wondering, how does it capture the past, <laughs> right? Isn't that one of your points? How does it do that? You, can, you said 20 seconds of something that's already happened. So is it recording all the time? Is that what it's doing? Yeah, so basically it's always recording the last 20 seconds passively and just rewrites the last second. Well, and it's, it doesn't have to be 20 seconds. We recommend 20 seconds because that way it'll be able to last eight hours in a single charge. But you can actually choose in the smartphone app uh, how long into the past you want to record. But, yeah, the gist of it is that, yeah, it's recording on this temporary buffer, and nothing is actually saved until you push the button. And then the light, it, uh, a light illuminates letting people know you've initiated recording. It records another 20 seconds, and then it goes straight to your smartphone via the Hindsight app where you can then edit the videos and then export to any social media you want. Interesting. So it's a, bad, a few better examples, but like I'm at dinner and somebody sneezes, if I wanted to capture that sneeze somehow, I could tap it and it would go back and I would have a video of, of my wife sneezing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a terrible example, but that's the concept, right? It, it, yeah, exactly. And it, yeah, it just, people have these moments all the time and there's no way to capture them. Um, I mean, whether you're a parent or a dog owner, and your pet or your baby does something really cute, and now you've got it, because obviously you're not going to be sitting there with a smartphone. Or for people who are cyclists out there or hikers and they see an animal run by, you know, again, you're not going to have your phone out ready to go. You can now get that. And just everyday life, there's just stuff you want to capture that you're not going to be ready to go on the fly. Interesting. Okay, cool. Well, cool stuff. Amazing what we can do these days, right? Um, okay, so let's get to the, the heart of the matter, which is, how do you take a bootstrap company that needs a bunch of capital, especially in hardware, to get to market? So, um, well, first of all, it would be helpful. How much money are we talking about? Do you think you need 100000 or a million or $10 million? Like what? what yeah, you so to basically get to a market-ready MVP, it would be about $1.5 Okay. And have you raised money previously? Um, so we currently raised 55000 to our friends and family round. Okay. So we got the ball rolling. Okay. Um, okay. So next, it's a pretty that's a pretty high lift. And what do you have? Do you have any revenue yet? You have you have interest, I know, right? But is any of that actually? Well, tell me about the the interest. Yeah, yeah. So we currently have five hundred forty thousand dollars in pre-orders, okay. um, and so that primarily comes from some of our strategic partnerships. So. We've partnered up with a company called Bomb Vision that has designed eyewear for companies such as like Louis Vuitton, Marc Jacobs, Rebecca Minkoff, and a variety of other luxury eyewear brands. Because for us, excuse me, 
uh, for us, one of the real issues with smart glasses adoption is the fashionability aspect. And so, us as a company prioritize the aesthetic value of the glasses. So, uh, that's why we partnered up with them. They also help, uh, along with the industrial design, they help with our distribution. And so, they've ordered uh, half a million dollars in hindsight glasses as soon as they're ready to go. Um, the other 40,000 in uh, pre-orders we have is actually with a private security company who wants to just test the glasses out and see if it's something they can potentially use, which might roll over to something large. Okay. Okay, great. Well, congrats on the progress. That's not easy. Building something from nothing is no joke. <laughs> um, it's and, been a tough, been a tough few years. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I can see people uh, chiming in in the chat room. That's great. Uh, welcome to Scott. And hey, Gabriel, nice to see you. And Zach um, and Kirk. Uh, anybody that wants to chime in, please, if you have suggestions, I'll try to moderate them also, but I'm sure that uh, Armin's reading them as well. So if you have suggestions, please chime in. I, don't, I do not have all the answers, full disclosure. <laughs> um, okay, so good news is I had an idea. Bad news is you've, I think you've already kind of done this one. I was hoping, so but I'm glad I asked you about your, your financing because um, it sounds to me like the avenue I would try to pursue is to get financing from my customers or my suppliers. Because uh, that's the obvious place, right? If you don't have actual revenue that investors want to see, the people most interested in you succeeding are the people that care the most to buy the thing. So is that a fair characterization of it was Boom, what was the name of the company? Boombox? Boom? Um, Bomb Vision. Bomb Vision, sorry. Yeah, Bomb Vision. Yeah, yeah so is that that's half a million order is they are a partner supplier sort of person. That's right. right. Yeah, and they have an equity stake in the company as well, so they're really invested. Right, right, great. Well, okay, well, that was my, that was going to be my best answer, so... Um, the chat room, I'm looking for help here. Uh, you are in a hard situation, right? You're a smart guy. You know this, right? Uh, there is not yeah. an answer here. I guess the other way to go would be to look, um, I guess I would start looking for grants. You know, there might be military or security or, uh, you know, scientific uses for this, especially in the military. That I don't know. You know, they have all kinds of interesting grants these days. I don't know if you've gone that route. Um, but the SBI, uh, is that right, SBIR? Yeah and, yeah, and actually we have. So there's, uh, you know, the NSF has a lot of grants in a variety of areas. We currently are going through the process with uh, a wearable technologies grant with them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that would be another thing I would try. Uh, and then this is a question. I think Joe, um, I think Joe has the next question here. Um, it's similar to his question, and I think a lot of that might be about finding other investors, right? You just got to keep looking to find the right person. I've been working with a, um, another startup that is nothing like yours, but has a hardware component to it. And it really is a question of looking and looking and looking until you find somebody ideally, you know, with a background in that space who is interested enough to believe you, right? It's, it's a question of trust as much as anything or, or Shared optimism may be another way to put it, right? Um, and, and you've got to find the people that actually appreciate that market and can see the potential because, you know, if you're talking to people that are real estate investors, they're going to have no idea what you're talking about and why would they believe you, right? So it sounds like, um, and I'm sure you've done this too, so I know this is not some brilliant insight, but um, maybe there are more investors that you can talk to, especially if you really dig into uh, alumni of, say, Luxottica or Ray-Ban or whoever, the, you know, those other companies are, you know, that often, um, I don't know if you can get a million and a half out of them, but if you could find a lead investor for a hundred grand or, you know, something to get people excited, um, mm -hmm. I spend a bunch of time on LinkedIn looking, you know, who retired, who's the ex-CEO of those companies, you know, or even, you know, mm -hmm. senior executives who have some cash now and some time, you know, to sort of mentor and participate. Um, and then, you know, that's coming at it from the eyeglass angle, 
but then the other angles you have obviously are you know security, which you've already identified. Um, and then uh, Scott in the uh, chat room there said something about um, you know chip manufacturers, like people maybe they'll see an interesting app, a certain kind of chip or or, or PCB image printed circuit board. Is that what you're meaning when you say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So people from that hardware side of things who might be looking for new markets. I mean, you just got to think outside the box. And I would look at your product as having several different vectors. You know, like I said, there's the, the glasses and the design of it. There's the inputs in terms of the chips. Um, and then there's the use cases, which you've identified a bit already, like security or military, like we talked about a second ago. And try to think who there might be. Um, uh, yeah, I wish I had a better answer for you. Let's look, let's look at the chat room. So people are kind of got some good comments. Yeah, let's see here. Um, and everybody, by the way, go ahead and chime in if you're just tuning in. I'm Scott Fox. You're watching uh, Startup Office Hours. This is a team approach to uh, helping Armin <laughs> get his company to the next level. So uh, Scott says it's his first time here. What's the main goal? I think you, you figured it out, Scott, because you've got some good comments here. Can you start by building chips to do that and make it really small? Say it's part of the frame of the glass. I presume you've looked into that kind of thing. You can make it smaller first. So you, you, okay, I think he's suggesting really focus on the chip rather than the eyeglasses. Um, that's certainly a valid angle. I get the sense your angle is more the design. You're coming more from the design background, though, right? Or, or are you, I don't know your background that well, are you a chip designer on the side? Um, well, actually, my, my background is in, like, computer vision uh, and neuroscience and more the AI aspect of things. But I just love hard products and hard tech. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, to, to address that, so let me just pull these out really quickly. So yeah, these, these current prototypes actually have a Raspberry Pi inside of a 3D printed pair of frames. Um, and I think what you're you know getting to is like getting to building on breadboards and then miniaturizing after that. So none of us experience doing that and, and we can try. Uh, we have been trying. The, the thing is how we're looking at it now, we actually have a really rock solid engineering team uh, composed of People actually worked on Google Glass themselves to like a bunch of engineers from Jawbone and um, even including the old CTO. And so they really understand embedded systems and lower level optimization. And they've given us their quote. And the main thing is if we were to go with a more uh, boutique firm and they shell out 40000 or something for that, when we, it wouldn't be enough to it, it wouldn't be good enough for customers, I'll put it that way, when we start getting to things like mechanical engineering and then, you know, things like thermal issues. Um, so we want to use all of our money with the right people instead of, you know, um, using it in other places and then end up scrapping all of it uh, in the end anyway. Right. Um, right. So it's, it, it's difficult, like, like what Scott said, it, it's incredibly difficult. Well, I, th I think you said a, a couple words there that were key to me is the right people. I guess my suggestion is, are you sure you're talking to the right people, right? Like if you reimagine what you're doing, that's kind of what Scott uh, Lee in the chat room is saying too. Like you've talked to a lot of people, I'm sure, right? You're, you've been at this a while, but who else can you talk to? Like really re-examine those assumptions. Um, maybe there's another angle to this, um, even in terms of the use cases, right? I mean, is there something a little more compelling than – you know, I'd like to capture something fun like security or like you said, bicyclists. I thought you were going to say like, um, you know, I got hit and therefore I, as soon as I hit the ground, you know, I can do this and I can capture the fact that that truck really did hit me, right? That's valuable insurance stuff, right? And you get into yeah. maybe there's insurance or a police use, you know, the different use yeah. cases 
would lead to different uh, outcomes in terms of investment interest as well. And it's, it's actually interesting you say that because part of our utility patents we have granted, uh, we actually do, we'll have an accelerometer in the frame that you can turn a mode on that basically a high velocity collision will automatically trigger a download. So we got that exactly in mind when we were building the product out in the first place. So yeah, you're, you're on the money there. Right, right. Interesting. Okay. Well, fascinating stuff. Um, let's see what else. Uh, and then, uh, Joe, if you want to come on camera, you would be next. Otherwise, I'll go to Jacqueline, but I don't see your camera working yet, Joe. Um, so, Scott. Yeah, and it's a, yeah, um, Scott, it's a resource drain. That's why I have it on. Ah, okay, you are here. Um, otherwise, I freeze up. Okay, okay. Well, hang on. We'll get so to you. So, if you could uh, bear with me, that'd be great. Okay, hang on a second. We'll get to you then. Just uh, glad to know you're here. <laughs> hang on. Um, okay. So uh, Zach says, uh, networking outside of your current network, yeah, trade shows and stuff. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's a good idea. I will pile on there with Zach, like, which trade shows, right? Like, that's where I think you could, like, everything could change for you if you can, you know, adjust your angle a little bit and find a new market or a new use. Scott says, again, I would think it would be more valuable to build a few prototypes in Apple Android as part of other applications. Yeah, that's interesting. Jordan, hi, Jordan, welcome. I'm reaching out to suppliers, see if they're interested in investing, who in the organization should we be talking to? Okay, good. That's a good question, Jordan. No. Hold on, I will get to that. But I, I um, somebody, this thing's scrolling too fast. Kirk. Okay, so Kirk said something also. Kirk is a great point about yeah. factoring, right? And I presume you've looked at this, Armin, but let me just address that. So Kirk says if you have something like confirmed orders, you can look into factoring, um, or does development exceed the revenue too much? So factoring, for those of you who don't know, is the idea that you have orders, uh, accounts receivable, basically. People are placing orders, but it's usually used on a cash flow basis. Like, I, I know I'm going to get 100 grand in from customers, you know, in 90 days, but I need some of that cash now. So there are firms out there called factors that will say, they'll make you essentially a short-term loan, which says, okay, we know you got 100 grand coming in 90 days, but you need 50 now. We'll give you that and take a, you know, a, basically an ownership of those incoming revenues, and they'll charge you a fee, of course, and it's not cheap, um, but it's, it's like a payday loan, basically, for a company. Um, and, but that's called factoring. So that's a totally legitimate point, Kirk. Um, yeah. Norman, I don't know if you've explored that or not. Well, have you? Have you looked into factoring? No, no, oh, I okay. haven't. Great. Uh, and so this is, this is great. Uh, we're definitely going to look into that. Okay. For that. Yeah, yeah. There's, okay, so factoring. So I was, okay, so you should look at it, full stop, right? Um, my guess is you're not going to qualify so well, um, because, sorry, something is, are you guys still alive? The system says it's, are you still there, Armin? Okay, are we back? Are we back? <laughs> yeah, like we get froze up there for a second. Okay, that was exciting. Um, okay, well, hopefully you can hear me. Um, factoring generally is used, as my, in my understanding, I'm not an expert, but um, for businesses that have con consistent actual cash flow, not just orders, but these days, there's all kinds of people doing all kinds of stuff. So, and there are revenue-based um, uh, financing firms for startups that specifically look at this kind of thing. So if you have a purchase order uh, from a company with good credit, yeah, that could be a thing. I wouldn't get you a million and a half bucks on a $500,000 PO, right? Yeah. But, but it might get you, I mean, whatever, you know, 50 grand or 100 grand or something. Um, so, yeah, yeah, factoring is a key word. I would also look into, I mean, if, if that's a new concept to you, and I would also look at venture debt. Uh, venture mm -hmm. debt is another concept. That's usually a bank loan. Uh, and that generally is done, I was talking to a banker just on Friday about this, um, generally done based on the amount of cash you have in the bank, which I presume you guys don't have 
a lot of cash in the bank, so that may or may not work. But it's also sort of a blanket term for that whole industry, venture debt. So factoring venture debt, and then there's another one's called, um, another way to put it is revenue-based financing. Uh, and you don't really have revenue yet, but that would get you in the direction of people maybe yeah. that would uh, be interested in helping you with that. Um, okay, so that's all hopefully helpful. Let's, uh, I want to respond to Jordan's question, and then we'll move on to Joe. Uh, and Jacqueline, hang in there. I see you're here. <laughs> um, um, let's see. So Jordan says, I thought this was interesting, uh, and welcome, Mariella. Um, first cousin, okay, so Kirk says, first cousin to... Factoring is receivable financing. Lots of banks will go to 80%. Okay, great. Thank you, Kirk. Sounds like you uh, have an, an expert here. Um, okay, so Jordan, I want, let's talk about this. When reaching out to suppliers to see if they're interested in investing, who in, the who in the organization should we be talking to? How do you get that conversation started through a sales rep, for example? So um, great question. Um, this is a basic sort of business development strategy uh, question, right? And business development was my really my first career. So the answer is, will go to bat for you, <laughs> right? You need a fan. So usually a sales rep won't have the clout to have the company commit cash to something uh, that's outside the company, especially if it's an unproven startup. But, you know, if that sales rep is really excited about what you're doing and, you know, who knows, maybe their uncle owns the company or whatever, you know, that could be the perfect person. Generally speaking, you would have to go to somebody a little more senior, especially somebody with financial authority, probably more on the finance side of the house, like the CFO or you know, the owner or somebody like that. But um, any wedge you can get into a big company is a legitimate place to start and not easy to find, right? So if you have a great relationship with a sales rep, um, they may be the best person because they are excited because presumably because it will help them do their job or help them with the customers and maybe help them sell more, right? So a sales rep can be great because they'll say to their boss, look, Armin's got this thing, and if we could, you know, help him out, then we could sell double, I could, you know, double my quota every month because his thing complements our thing. And, you know, if you can do that kind of equation and show to the bosses, hey, you know, if we could, you know, we're a big company, we could slide him whatever, 50 grand and be the lead investor in his next round, you know, that – uh, comes back to us not just in terms of equity, but um, maybe or maybe it's a loan, whatever it is, but also increasing their own sales. Like it's the, it's the old uh, "what's in it for me" strategy, right? Um, so any of those conversations can be good. Um, it tends to be harder than it sounds because as entrepreneurs, we're always optimistic that everybody's going to get this and want to invest. I got to warn you, you know, most companies are in the business of doing their own business, not investing in other people. <laughs> so it can be a long, difficult conversation. But it definitely happens, right? So it tends to kind of oddly almost be easier with really large companies because they may have somebody who's done this before. They may even have a venture arm or a partnerships department, right? Um, if you do this with small sort of owner-owned uh, businesses, um, they tend to be much more conservative about their capital, right? So it, it, it is a lot of – that's a big spectrum of, of different options. But um, talking to anybody that will go to bat for you, is uh, I guess I could have said that and be done two minutes ago, but that's, that's the answer. <laughs> I'm to give you the whole context there because corporate development is, is business development is hard if you if you don't have training in that. Especially a lot of folks, maybe a lot of you, if you come from an engineering background or something, you don't you're not used to this kind of you know world, and that's that's the kind of the world I grew up in. Okay, Woo. all right. Well, was that helpful? Uh, I hope so, Armin. <laughs> nice to see you, and hope uh, hope this goes well. We're going to move on yeah. here. And, uh, thank you so much for all your help, and also thank you for everyone in the chat. This, this has been incredibly helpful. I'm, 
definitely going to go through this again later. Awesome. Awesome. Well, good to see you. And uh, I'm going to move on here to uh, some other folks. Let's see. There's Jacqueline. Hi, Mariella. Let's, sorry, we're going to Joe here, actually, next. Okay, Joe, I'm going to turn your mic on. It's not going to be our best visual, but I hear you. If you can't, it should be. There we go. How about that, Joe? Can you hear us? You look good. You sound good. Hopefully you can hear me. Yeah, no, it sound, you sound great. That's fine. Okay. So okay, cool. What would you like to talk about? All right, about? So, so we have a, um, um, a SaaS enterprise product uh, focused on um, not only enterprises, but agencies and uh, market research firms. We collect zero-party data, but also our application allows for the interaction with consumers uh, directly within the application. So the market or researcher need not go out of the, of the application um, to communicate with the consumer based on the zero-party data that is collected. Okay, having said that, um, it's been a struggle so far. Now, we've raised 120K so far, uh, but it's not getting us to where we need to be. And it's interesting what's happening, and it's the goalposts continue to move. Let me explain what that means. Uh, we, when we first went out and started presenting ourselves to the community, uh, the almost universal uh, pushback was, well, you know, build an MVP. And so we did. So we built an MVP, albeit not with, not using the architecture that we have laid out, because that is an exposition, but we, we forged something together to, to, to demonstrate um, the product and the content. Uh, so going, we circle back with those investors, um, and the goalposts moved. And it was now, well, let's see it in a pilot, run a pilot. Okay, so we're running a pilot right now. We're distributing it to 52,000 consumers in the UK. Great. Uh, and we're gathering our metrics. We're moving ahead, um, and we're reaching back to all those investors. And those same investors are saying, well, tell me when you're up to um, – X uh, run rate in revenue, monthly revenue. Right. Um, so it, it, it continues to move. The goalposts continue to move. And I've never had this experience before with startups. I don't know why this is occurring. Um, so your questions and feedback would be greatly appreciated. Sure. Well, welcome to Startup Life. <laughs> that sucks, and I sympathize. I've been there personally. Um, there is, it's very frustrating. So uh, there's not a simple answer, but I, I have to, thank you for sending in your question in advance. I had a little chance to think about it. Um, I think, and everybody in the chat room, go ahead and, and chime in your, your comments there. Last time were great for Armin. I'm sure you've got some good thoughts uh, here for Joe as well. Um, okay, so there's two ways to read what's happening to you. One is the literal way and the other is the subtext. So the literal way is, of course, that they are, the goalposts are moving. I mean, that's, that's obviously true. This is very common. First of all, don't feel bad about it. Did you, did you say this was your first startup, or this is just with this was the first time you had this role in a startup, or how, what's your personal background? Yeah, this is number four. Number four, okay. So you've been through this game before, okay. Um, okay. Um, then you've probably seen this before, right? The, the investors, somebody asked in the chat room, mommy or somebody, what do investors look for? Investors are looking for infinite return with no risk. 
right? So the problem is that they want to take no risk and make a zillion dollars on your hard work, right? And that's the, the negative side of investors. And I am an investor these days, so I will paint myself with that brush as well, right? We're busy. Uh, we have uh, lots of other things going on, um, and we would like to make money while we sleep doing nothing, right? That's, that's what we're looking for. <laughs> so the problem is, as an entrepreneur like Joe, um, that means that the goalposts keep moving. So um, what he described, if you have not been into it yet, my fellow founders, it will happen to you too, which is first they say they want this, you come back with that. Then they want this, and they come back with this request. Then they want this, and it's this ladder of every, you know, the, the, the goalposts moving. Literally, this is an, those of you outside the United States, it's an American football analogy. The end zone, the field keeps getting longer, is what he's saying. So you can't ever quite score. Um, so um, this is typical and annoying. Okay, so there's two ways to look at this. One is that there really is something else you need to do for whatever reason. They really, um, something has changed in their mandate. I mean, people forget investors have bosses too, right? They have limited partners. Um, they have th their own partners within the firm. Lots of other competing obligations and requirements for their money. So maybe their investment thesis changed or the market changed or they had an exit or a failure of another company in their portfolio that's related to yours and that changes how they look at the market, right? There are lots of legitimate reasons for the goalposts. Move from their point of view, right? It's not cool if they promise you something and then they change the game, obviously. But but uh, the world is bigger for investors than a lot of entrepreneurs think. You know, it's not like they're just sitting around with a checkbook waiting for somebody to walk in and hand out money, right? Um, most investors actually are not super super wealthy people, especially angel investors. They're trying. They've got a few bullets in the gun and they're trying to pick their shots, and so they have to be very discriminating. Okay, that's enough apologies for investors. So. The literal thing is, okay, maybe something changed and you just have to do it. Okay, you, you obviously know that. I'm just giving that context for everybody else, Joe. The subtext is they're not ready. They don't like what you're doing, right? They're bullshitting you. Um, and the fact is that you'll never really get a straight answer because they like you enough to keep talking to you, but venture capitalists never say no. Their job is to string you along forever until they get to that hypothetical point of infinite return and zero risk. They're just waiting for the risk equation to go so low that then they can justify their investment, whether it's to their partners um, or their limited partners or their wives or husbands. You know, what, I mean, they have a risk profile that you are so far have not crossed that threshold. So there's two ways to deal with this. One is to really look at what you're doing and really look at what they're saying and adjust. Like, I don't know what it is they don't like about you. Uh, let's, be, let's be blunt. Like, they don't like you enough to write a check. I don't know why. I don't even know you. I can't even see you, <laughs> right? But that's a fact. <laughs> they don't like you, and I don't know why. And they're not going to tell you why because they like you enough that you might have something, and then they're going to show up and be your best friend, right? So you've got to figure out what it is they don't like. Is it something about the product? Is it your haircut? I, I, I have no idea, right? Um, is it the, you know, the market size, or is it something outside of you? Like I mentioned earlier, something happened in their portfolio, or their limited partners pulled back the cash, they had a capital call. I don't know, maybe the, the partner's getting divorced, right? So they can't take any more risk. It's, it's lots of things. So first of all, look at that. They don't like you enough to write a check, and you have to deal with it. And that's unfortunate, but I've never heard a venture capitalist actually say that out loud, so I'm telling you guys, that's the truth. If a, a venture capitalist keeps stringing you along, something's wrong, right? They don't like you enough, right? So what's that old thing? It's not me, it's you, or whatever, right? It's like a relationship. It really is. The other thing, and it's slightly more often, so I would encourage you to some self-examination, you and your team. What is it you're missing, right? Or take the, the people that you're talking to out 
like for a drink, you know, something off the record, not just an email, like just try to get, come on, really, what, what, what really what's going on, right? And it may not be you at all, like I've said three times now. The other thing is, um, is that maybe you're talking to the wrong people. And I don't know your business well enough, and obviously I don't know who you're talking to, but uh, the easiest way for startup entrepreneurs to raise money more quickly is to invest more time in researching who they're pitching. When I was an entrepreneur, I know, uh, and I still see it all the time, uh, you're in this place where you want the money, you believe in what you have, and anybody with a checkbook, you think they've got to be as convinced as you are. And I'm not accusing you of this, Joe, but just for everybody's edification, you know, it's like that's not the way to do this. You've got to triple the time you do on research and lower the amount of time you do on outreach. Find the people that do this. And you notice this is the same thing I was talking about with Armin. You know, like, are you sure you got the right people? Because if you've got people that are adjacent, of course they're going to be casually interested, but you can't run a company on casual interest. You've got to find the people that are excited about this, and that means they probably have a background in this, and hopefully they're so good at it that they have a checkbook. Right? That's hard to find, but it is what you need to do rather than um, addressing anybody who happens to be, say, seed stage in, in uh, SaaS software, right? Because even in seed stage SaaS software, there's thousands of people. And um, I would double down on the research of who you're looking to talk to. Um, and the real goal here is to create urgency. And that's the hardest thing to get venture capitalists to do um, because, again, they're risk averse. So what you need to do, and this is for Armin too, you've got to find a reason to make them move, right? Like, this is happening, and creating that sense of momentum is what will get people off the dime. If they've been flirting with you for six months or six years and they still haven't written the check, you haven't created a sense of urgency and or they don't like you enough to write the check. So those are your challenges. I know a lot of this, I'm just spitting back to you what you know, but maybe hearing it from somebody else will help. Um, different investors and finding a reason that this has to happen now. And, you know, the ultimate is we're going out of business, but that's not the right one because it scares the hell out of people, right? Um, but something about, you know, a, a product launch or a new hire or some opportunity or you've got to fake it till you make it and get them to move. Okay, so I've talked enough. Let's see what other people – is this helpful, Joe? Are we on the right track at all? Yeah, um, yes, Scott, it is. Um, it's um, hey, um, it, it's you, you cover ground that has been covered, right? We we we've discussed this amongst ourselves, um, and we come to the conclusion that all right, we might as well self-fund this 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 thing. Mm -hmm and skip the VC community altogether, generate the revenue, and if somebody wants to come on board, great. If not, we'll just share the equity with our customers, yeah. um, you know, in the, forms of, in the form of lines, okay. um, and move in that, in that direction. Um, it's almost as if we just can't waste any more time with them. Yeah, uh, um, that, that you know, sounds right. Let's just generate some dollars. Yeah. Yeah, the world has changed a lot. If you've done this four times, like I have, you know, it looks like we're maybe roughly the same age, right? Like, you've been doing this for a while. The world has changed. You know, you used to be able to raise money earlier without traction, you know, with ideas. It just doesn't happen anymore. And you guys have traction. I'm not accusing you of that. But I'm just saying the bar keeps getting higher. 
Um, and, you know, young people come in today to events all the time and, and they like have, you know, just an idea, but they're reading, they're like, they're reading my books from, you know, 15 years ago and like, sorry, it just doesn't work like that anymore. And if you have the ability to bootstrap um, and you can do it without losing your house, you know, uh, that might be the way to go because I, I was talking to a woman, a founder, a local here the other day, and you will know this too, but the difference between having zero revenue and any revenue, even like $5 is infinite, right? So if you guys, that's when investors are like, oh, this really works. Customers actually want to buy this shit. Like that's when they start to pay attention. Um, and if you guys can get, and obviously more than $5 is great. <laughs> uh, if you can get a larger number, I think you'll, your phone calls will change. Um, so if that's what you need to do, that might be what you need to do. Um, let's, uh, let's look at the chat room here. And then sure. we've got a couple of um, Let's see here. What were you going to say there, Joe? It's just a thank you for the feedback. Okay. Let's see what else we got here. Um, okay. Scott and Adam having a good conversation. Um, Self-funding. Uh, okay, Sonny, we, we'll try to get to that. Yep. Um, how much equity should an entrepreneur give out? Uh, okay. 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 I don't think any of those were directly related to this. I'm sorry. Sorry for the delay. Okay. Well, Joe, I wish I had a, a fancier, more specific answer, um, but uh, I would encourage you, you know, again, you're an adult, so I, this may be obvious, but looking at different investors, you might go back and see who's emerged even in the last, you know, six months because there's so many funds popping up now. And um, even crowdfunding sites are really happening now. And even for professional investors, you know, crowdfunding, you know, five years ago was just for random consumer items that people got excited about. But there are serious deals uh, happening now, like venture-type deals on um, uh, WeFunder and Start Engine and Net Capital and Republic. And VCs are starting to look there as well. So it's harder to do if you have a, a B2B sort of SaaS product. It's not going to have mass consumer appeal. Yeah. But, but those, there are, and my point is there are new ways of doing this. And if you haven't looked at it, you know, it might be worth an afternoon this way. Thanks, Scott. Sure. Nice to meet you. Uh, we're going to move on now. Jacqueline has been waiting very patiently. Hey there, Jacqueline. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Let's see. Okay. So thank you, Joe. I'm going to turn you off, and then uh, Mariella will be next. Okay. Hey, Jacqueline, so where are you calling from? I'm calling from Long Beach, California. Okay, you're nearby then. All right. Well, nice to meet you. Uh, what can uh, can I help you? <laughs> I'd be happy to try. I hope you can. Okay. Um, I um, am restarting, I guess, a company under a new branding okay. that I had closed just prior to the pandemic. And I'm trying to... Um, fundraise, but I had an original pitch deck because it's the same product. I'm trying to understand what's the best way to recraft that pitch deck and talk about kind of like what I have learned and the new position I'm in now, why it's going to be successful now. Um, I was trying to fundraise before and basically ran on a runway. So I closed because I couldn't afford it. I don't have a team anymore because I couldn't afford to pay anybody anymore, you know. So um, trying to restart, but I need to know how to position that. So the question about repositioning the reboot process? Basically, because okay. I have to go through the, uh, you know, the market has changed over the last year and a half. Yeah. So, you know, I have to redo all the work and, um determine if the product should be exactly the same, yeah. which I know it shouldn't be exactly the same. 
but you know, I need to go through the process for how it needs to change and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I want to explain all that. But then I thought, well, I don't know. Do I need to explain all of that? What do I need to say about how it was when I ended? Yeah. yeah. I mean, just just real quick context. What kind of product and business are we talking it's about? A, it's a climate tech product. Um, it helps eliminate food waste at home. Okay, cool. Uh, so it's a physical thing, like a Tupperware yeah. or something? Okay, okay great. Um, by the way, any of you want to pitch your startups, you're welcome to put your URLs of your ideas and so forth in the chat and make friends with each other. That's the point of all this. Um, okay, so this is an interesting question. I, I'm glad you, you wrote it. I, I've, had, I've seen a couple versions of this over the years, including in myself and, and even my own family, people with, with sort of rebooted startups. Um, Gathering my thoughts. And uh, by the way, folks, if you have um, ideas, put them in the in the uh, chat room for for Jacqueline. Um, okay. Well, have you raised money before? Uh, you, I'm sorry, you were you did raise money or you didn't? I tried to raise money, but I wasn't successful. Okay. I couldn't convince people that the market existed that people right. would really do something to improve the environment. Right. Now there's other products that are on the market. Okay. Like, yeah, now it really doesn't exist. Right. Hey, these people <laughs> Right, right, right. Um, okay. Well, I ask that because that's kind of good news in the sense that nobody gave you money that you lost, right? Is that that's what I'm hearing? Okay, well, that's good, yes. right? <laughs> investors don't want to know that you wiped out your previous, <laughs> your friends and family, right? It's my own money, I guess. Yeah, yeah right. Well, they, they never count that, unfortunately. <laughs> Just like your time doesn't matter. <laughs> um, okay. Well, my guess is that, I mean, there's no right answer here, right? But I wouldn't, my inclination would be not to make too big a deal of it. I mean, lots of things happened with the pandemic. Um, when you're a founder looking for money, you're really selling a dream, right? And I would focus on the optimism. Um, you know, you don't want to hide it or be unethical or dishonest, clearly. And I can tell that the very fact you're asking this question means you're concerned that you, you want to do this the right way, right? So, so I think... Um, I'm not sure I would make a big deal of it all, at all, honestly. Um, the investors are often get, um, what's the word, like wary once they find out a, a startup has been around like six years or whatever. Like, what's going on? Why is it taking six years, right? And I've worked with lots of companies like that. And oftentimes, you know, they had to pivot or whatever. But um, this pandemic has given everybody like the biggest <laughs> get-out-of-jail-free card ever, right? So um, I think where it's really going to show up is in your financial projections um, or if you had you know, if you had a, a sales, a nice sales growth sort of chart going that suddenly dipped, but it doesn't sound like you have that. Did you ever get to market previously? I didn't get to market. I needed money for product development, right. okay. and I didn't get that money. Okay. So okay. the sales projections, I mean, it, the projections were there, but it never actually started yeah. because I never got that funding that I needed yeah. at the beginning. Okay. Well, then I... I'm not sure it's even an issue. No harm, no foul. I mean, people in the chat room, you can argue with me here, but, I mean, if you didn't raise money and you didn't sell anything, um, then nobody, I don't want to sound harsh, but nobody knows you, you know, if a tree falls in the forest, <laughs> nobody knows, right? Um, so um, I wouldn't hide it, but uh, unless there are obligations outstanding that would affect the capital structure of a new raise, uh, who, who cares, right? I mean, um, you might say, you know, uh, uh, established 2016 or something, you know, just so the people, you don't want to, I'm, I'm not saying to hide it, I'm just saying 
the point of a pitch is to get the next meeting, right? Nobody raises money on a pitch deck, right? So that is the kind of detail that could be round two, right? Or or your history, right? Or what buried, you know, on, the, on page 12 of the deck where you talk about you or something. Unless, so here's a counter to that. I just thought of, unless there's a counter that's part of your origin story, right? If there's something, you know, most good pitches have a story. It's not just, I do this, I need this much money. Like, I saw this need, and because of my personal background, you know, and my suffering, I found the solution, right? And unless that somehow is tied to something that was very clearly, you know, like, I don't know, a couple of years, like President Obama, you know, did this, right, or something, you know, because that's clearly in the past, right? He's been out of office now for a while. Or the Olympics or the Super, you know, Super Bowl 57 or something. Well, we're not there yet. Super Bowl 53, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so if you don't have a reason to tie the story to a specific uh, timeline, I'm not sure. It matters. What, what other folks think? Uh, or what do you think? I mean, am I making sense? Um, you're making sense. Um, so I actually closed the company before, started a new company. You mean legally, like it was a, a C-Corp or an LLC or something? Well, I had an LLC. And so I closed the LLC, I opened a new LLC, different name, different branding. Okay. Um, there are some people that know about it, uh-huh. and it's like because they, people have approached me because they know about that, okay. you know, because they think, oh, well, that was a really great idea. Mm-hmm. So that's actually kind of why I decided to start again. Right. So I don't want to completely ignore it. Right. Well, are those people customers or investors or just friends? Oh, potential investors. Potential investors. Okay. Well, that, that's the one that matters. <laughs> you're right. Okay. I see your, your trepidation there. Um, I don't think that changes my answer, though. And I really liked what um, somebody says, uh, Alexis um, is online on YouTube, it looks like, chatting and says, you could you, you could pivot it using the pandemic time uh, to improve the product, and what you're re-releasing is an improved version. I, I that's like that's eighty percent of the answer right there, Alexis. I think that's great. Oh, and Scott said something similar. It's like I'm having trouble reading all these. Chat. Um, yeah, I think the pandemic is an opportunity, right? Um, yeah, Scott says pandemic pushed all physical product online. It is going no backwards. I'm not sure what that means, but anyway, yeah, pandemic screwed up everything. So uh, and if, if your investors are actually asking, it sounds like you have a sympathetic audience. So I think they're probably going to get that. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that you closed, had a previous company close it down, if there was no investors and every, uh, nobody got hurt, I don't, I don't think it's relevant, honestly. Um, the other piece that would happen, do you have any patents? And there are a patented aspect of this? Okay. So because, you know, once you file a patent, the clock starts ticking on how long it's good for. But if you don't have that, I, I, I would just um, – you can almost, I wouldn't do this too much, but you almost make a joke of it. You know, that dang pandemic thing is knocking me off the rails, but I'm back. And like Alexa said, bigger, better than ever, let's go, right? And, and again, you know, that can come out in due diligence that you tried and, and died several years ago, but it's not that relevant to today. The market has changed, and you've changed. The product is better. Let's go. Uh, I, think, I think that's enough uh, without knowing you better. That's, uh, that's, you get the... The value of that advice is what you paid for it, so <laughs> I hope that's helpful. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate it, and thank you, um, Alexis, I guess specifically, but the rest of the people in the chat, I appreciate your input also. Sure. Excellent. Okay. 
Well, nice to meet you, Jacqueline. Hope to meet you. One of these days, we'll be doing our monthly masterminds meetings in person again. Uh, if you want to come down to Long Beach, I usually do them in the Irvine area. I'd be happy to meet you face to face. And for everybody, you're welcome. Nice to meet you. And for everybody else, uh, see, here comes Mariella. There we go. There you are, Mariella. See, hang on. Oh, okay. I was like. I don't understand this platform. Right. That's right. You weren't on the air yet. Hang on a second. Let me just say a couple more commercials here. Um, nice to see you. Um, so I'm just going to say that uh, we do do event uh, mastermind workshops that are trying to find the right Chiron for that. There it is. So if you're watching this show and you're enjoying it, uh, we do um, these masterminds workshops. Uh, I think Marilyn was at the last one. Um, and we have 30 or 40 people together. And everybody talks, uh, brings their questions, and we do this in a group, more uh, less chat and more chat, more talking, a lot of fun. And if you're in Southern California and the pandemic is over, I'll be doing them in person again. been doing them those for four or five years now. And they're, uh, like everything else I do, trying to help you guys uh, get farther, faster with your startup ideas. Okay, so, Mariella, nice to see you. What's, uh, what's on your mind? Uh, I was just joining to listen in, really. I wasn't. I don't really have a question, so to speak. Although um, right now I'm in the position where I feel like I need to um, I need to find a suitable person as a co-founder, um, and I was wondering where would be the best place to uh, meet such a person. Right. Okay. Well, we can roll that in with. Uh let me look at the chat. Somebody's asking that. Oh, something filling with it. Funny, or somebody's asking about. This platform is really. Uh, you really, I can't really see uh, like much of what's been. You can't see the chat. Yeah, it's, it's really quite strange. It's, okay. Um, well, you, you can watch it later on YouTube if you'd like. So let's talk about. Okay. Let's talk about finding co-founders then. The co-founders are. Um, I think co-founders are way overrated because, <laughs> because most people don't actually need a co-founder. What they need is help with a specific task. A co-founder implies that you're going to give something like half your company to someone to do something that you don't want to do. And that, if you're going to, I see that more as like a plumber or a gardener, somebody I'm going to hire because I don't want to do it. Well, I don't have to give them half my company for that. Yeah. I would go on Upwork dot com or um, some sort of skills marketplace uh, and see if there's somebody that you can hire to do a job, right? Okay. This is I hear this most often from non-technical founders who want somebody to write code and because they have a good idea, but they don't know how to, you know, write the code. So mm-hmm. they, um, now, of course, you're not going to get great results if you're only paying 20 bucks an hour to somebody that you've never met who's on the other side of the world to write your code. But... Mm-hmm. To me, that's still a better place to start than someone you meet randomly online or maybe at a bar or an alumni event at your college or something and give yeah. you half your company, right? <laughs> so, so. Yeah. No, I mean, I recognize that, um, you know, I don't know that I would give half my company, but probably, you know, shares. Um, and then also there would be some requisites to those shares being given. That's right. Well, that's the way to think about it, exactly. So every equity grant should have uh, specific milestones, both in terms of time, but also in terms of deliverable, what this person is going to be charged right. with and when it should be done by. And, and also that's event- the thing yeah. my problem is, like, I don't really know the deliverables and 
Um, uh, this is a, a labor of love for me because I love you guys, and I think entrepreneurs are the ones that are going to change the world because who else is going to do it if we don't do it? So please uh, join our uh, email newsletter list uh, if you haven't already, um, which is here. Um, the, uh, let's see, I put that on the – okay, that's our event news. Our next Masterminds Workshop, uh, Marielle is asking me. The next Masterminds Workshop is, I think it's the 13th. Let me click away, October 13th. Um, and this, then you guys can all talk to each other instead of just listening to me. Yeah, it's Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, and those happen every month. I've done 56 of those, um, and that will be live uh, via um, Zoom, and be happy to see you all there. Once again, this is not qualified legal or professional uh, advice. Talk to your own people uh, because I'm, you get what you paid for here, uh, and uh, hope to see you all again soon, and thank you for being here, et cetera, et cetera. Go team, okay? <laughs> See you next time. Please tell your friends, uh, especially if they're from an underprivileged background or somebody that doesn't look like me uh, that's having trouble getting into the startup world, um, here trying to help. All right? Thanks very much. See you all next time. Thanks for watching.